day, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast, the weekly roundup of Ubuntu security news and things from the Ubuntu security community. I'm Alex Murray. Uh, first up, we will do the usual roundup of security fixes from the past week, and then we're going to have a bit of a look at an article that I saw about uh, the Critter application being used as a vector to try and compromise various people. Well, not actually the application itself, but uh, the website, and yeah, we will get into that. Uh, it's a bit of an interesting one. But first up, we will uh, cover the week in security updates. There were 17 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team. And first up was uh, an update published for Firefox. This was actually uh, in relation to one that I talked about last week. So that was version 91.0. Now we published 91.0.2, which is an upstream bug fix release, uh, where they fixed a bug that as part of their advanced privacy protection, uh, it would purge cookies and the like that had been associated with ad trackers kind of periodically. Unfortunately, it looks like what would happen there is it would also clear uh, the authentication data. That's actually what is used to kind of uh, store your master password when unlocking uh, Firefox's password database or the Lockwise password store. And so what would happen then is you would go to use a password and you would then get prompted to re-enter your master password randomly because it had gone and forgotten it in the meantime. Uh, So that was uh, updated to fix that bug. After that, we had an update for MongoDB. Uh, This was one CVE that was fixed uh, in Ubuntu releases 20.04 long-term support and 18.04 long-term support. Uh, In this case, uh, Mongo would fail to invalidate uh, the sessions of users who were logged in when their account had been deleted. So what could happen is if you were logged into Mongo as a particular user, uh, the admin deleted your account and then went and recreate your account uh, or account with the same name, but with uh, higher permissions, you would then have access to those uh, greater permissions. And so, yeah, a bit of a uh, low chance that you could actually hit that one in practice, but that has been fixed as well. Essentially, they fix that by associating a unique ID per user. So when it gets recreated, it gets a new ID. Uh, Yeah, so uh, easy fix for that one. An update as well for OpenSSL. I actually talked about this back in last week's episode. Uh, This time it's for OpenSSL in some of the older releases. So that's 18.04 long-term support and our two extended security maintenance releases, which is uh, 14.04 and 16.04. Uh, In this case, uh, it's a single vulnerability around ASN1 string handling. As I said, I talked about that actually back in last week's episode. So if you want to know more about that, I urge you to check out episode 128. Uh, An update for libssh after that. One CVE here fixed for libssh in Ubuntu 20.04 long-term support and 20.104. This is uh, kind of a small uh, library that implements SSH protocol. It's used by things like libcurl and uh, the Vermina uh, desktop, uh, remote desktop application and things like that. In this case, uh, there was a possible heat buffer overflow that could be triggered uh, through rekeying. So essentially a malicious client or server could cause the other end to crash as a result by initiating a rekeying with uh, the correct parameters. And you could then possibly get a remote code execution as well, uh, depending on how you can corrupt memory and the like. An update for GNOME Grillo after that. One CVE here uh, going all the way back to 16.04 extended security maintenance and uh, other releases uh, since that. This is uh, part of GNOME's media discovery framework. So that allows you to do things like uh, from the videos app, you know, browse uh, media on remote machines and things like that that is being shared. Uh, In this case, it was a simple vulnerability. It failed to enable TLS certificate verification in the underlying uh, library that would make those uh, HTTP requests and the like. Uh, So uh, when connecting to a remote media source, 
An attacker could then you know, replace the TLS cert with one of their own uh, on that connection and therefore be able to you know, read all your comms, decrypt all of that and read that all directly. So again, uh, you know, a low chance that you'd probably be exploited by that. But if you are doing uh, remote media playback with GNOME on uh, untrusted networks, you are a bit safer now. An update for uh, the Apache Portable Runtime Library APR after that. Again, going all the way back to uh, our 1404 Extended Security Maintenance, 1604 Extended Security Maintenance, and our 2104, uh, the most recent uh, standard support release. Uh, so APR is an abstraction uh, layer kind of library that is used to abstract a across you know system specific apis and things like that so you can just have a single library to implement against you know kind of thing that i guess posix exists for this reason as well but it's used by uh, other apache projects uh things like you know the apache 2 httpd uh, web server subversion and other things like that in this case there was an out of bounds read that could be triggered in the time handling functions so uh, it had a structure that represents time uh, so it has uh, elements within the structure that indicate things like you know which month of the year it is or which day of the week it is and so you know a month of the year could be between say 1 and 12 but uh, you know this isn't signed integer that stores that so you could have a month value of you know 10,000 that falls well outside of that range it failed to validate that and then it would then go and try to index into an array using your supplied value and yeah an out of bounds read would ensue as a result because you're reading outside the bounds of that array that was fixed obviously just to check the bounds quite a simple check there as well so that has been fixed for uh, APR an update for uh, micro WSGI, uh, this is an uh, Apache component. Uh, it's a buffer overflow when handling large HTTP request headers. So basically uh, the micro WSGI protocol um, represents the header name and values uh, and even the overall length actually as uh, uint16. So that means it can have a maximum value of uh, well, 16K in this case. And so if uh, you specified a uh, H or you sent a HTTP header with more than that, uh, it would cause an integer overflow when that got used. And then a, a mem copy as a result would result in a buffer overflow. Uh, in this case, it would be an overread. So it would read outside the bounds of that buffer later on when it went to try and uh, parse the uh, request parameters. And so it could parse your other data from the program as the request body. And depending again on how you can uh, you know, inject other content, you could actually get code execution there. So that was fixed as well. An update for SquashFS tools, uh, again, back to 1804 long-term support, 24 long-term support and 2104 release. Uh, a single vulnerability fixed here. So SquashFS tools is a set of tools for handling SquashFS images. They're kind of a compressed file system, actually compressed read-only file system. Uh, they're made use of in a lot of embedded devices, but also by snaps. And so they are SquashFS images, each snap application, which is kind of handy because it means they're immutable. Um, but in this case, so a SquashFS uh, describes the files obviously within the image. They have a file name. And if uh, the, the file name had like relative path components in it, say dot dot slash dot dot slash, uh, you know, etc. Uh, password or something like that, and you extracted it using unsquashfs, it would happily go and overwrite that uh, target file. Uh, so you can't actually create um, SquashFS images very easily using the standard tools at least because they look at the contents of a directory and then create the image as a result. But if you had a crafted version of make SquashFS or some other tool that uh, could do that, you could create these images and yeah, then get uh, well, arbitrary file overwrite as a result and then possibly code execution depending on what files you're overwriting. 
Uh, so that is a traditional path traversal vulnerability. We've seen these in, I guess, lots of different archive formats over the years, you know, whether it's zip or tar or all kinds of things. Uh, you know, in the zip world, it's called a zip slip vulnerability. They're that common that yeah, many different uh, implementations of it even has its own name. But yeah, so there are a similar one for SquashFS tools here. Uh, but yeah, that has now been fixed. So if you are uh, handling untrusted SquashFS images, you're now a little safer. Uh, and then we had an update for Thunderbird. This updates Thunderbird to the latest 78.13 upstream release. Uh, the most, I guess, interesting vulnerability here was in handling of start TLS. So actually, uh, there was a number of start TLS vulnerabilities that were, I guess, detailed by a bunch of researchers recently. Uh, that these are common vulnerabilities that affect a lot of different applications that implement start TLS, which effectively is a way of initiating TLS uh, through a uh, and in the clear connection, so a sort of upgrading it to TLS. Uh, the problem that can happen there is that if you've already formed this connection, then you start trying to say, hey, I want to do TLS effectively. Uh, and while you're trying to set that TLS connection up, uh, in this case, it would then say accept IMAP responses from the server. So you could effectively inject you know, IMAP content from an untrusted server to uh, the client before it had gone and established that connection. That in fact gives you like a person in the middle attack over the content. So yeah, that has been fixed. But uh, I guess the recommendations nowadays are that you know, start TLS. We've seen a number of these vulnerabilities over time. Uh, it still seems to be more and more of them in various implementations, and it's better to avoid it. So you know, we recommend that you probably don't use start TLS where you can. You instead just directly use uh, TLS uh, for the connection. Uh, but as well as that fix, there was also fixes for other sorts of vulnerabilities that uh, Thunderbird had inherited from its uh, or from Firefox, which it builds a lot of its code base from. Uh, so they're all related to web handling or web content handling, things like you know, cross-site scripting attacks or uh, code execution and the like that could be uh, achieved through crafted web content. And lastly, it was an update for NTFS 3G. Uh, this again goes all the way back to 1404 extended security maintenance plus 1604 extended security maintenance, 1804 and 2004 long-term support releases respectively and the 2104 release. In fact, there were uh, 21 different CVEs that were fixed in this at the time. Those CVEs hadn't been assigned, so that's why actually they're not listed in the show notes, but uh, you can go and find those if you go and look for them now. Uh, this was the usual mix of things that we see in applications written in C, so integer overflows, buffer overflows, and the like uh, that could trigger you know, denial of service or possible code execution. Now, uh, NTFS 3G implements an you know, NTFS uh, file system, but it does so in the user space, which is cool because it means that if you do get code execution as uh, an untrusted or as, as an attacker, you are getting it only as, say, the user that is mounting that file system. You're not getting it as root, which often is what happens with, say, other file systems like X4 and the like that are implemented within the kernel. So whilst NTFS 3G is a little slower than other file systems because it's a file system in user space and effectively every request to the file system has to context switch twice for that to happen, not just once into kernel space, uh, it does mean that you are safer because it's only running in user context. So I guess it's a little bit like a microkernel in that uh, regard. It also means, I guess, that you know errors in that don't then bring down everything as well. Okay, so yeah, that is it for the week in security updates. So the other thing that I wanted to have a uh, talk about this week was uh, some unusual report that I'd seen around uh, the Critter uh, graphics application and a ransomware campaign seemingly around that. And so what was going on here was that uh, popular so kind of YouTubers or uh, maybe people with Facebook accounts or Instagrammers were getting sent an email um, 
purporting to be from the creator developers saying, hey, we want to collaborate with you uh, on some paid advertising. Effectively, we want you to include, say, uh, some video content or whatever, maybe on your YouTube page or on your Instagram, promoting creator uh, to different people. Uh, and you know, here's a, a pack of you know, videos and audio and uh, images and things that we want you to evaluate. Let us know what you think. Uh, the link within that email would go to uh, critter.app as a domain and there you would you know, see the usual Critter homepage and it had a link to uh, this media pack that wanted you to download. Now, interesting to note, critter.app is not actually the real upstream domain for Critter. It's actually critter.org. Uh, actually, some people were also sent to critter.io. So it looks like the attackers in this case actually use a couple of different domains, uh, you know, masquerading as the real one. They had done a very good job of recreating the critter.org homepage. They even then made sure that all of the links off of their own spoofed page actually pointed back to the real homepage. Uh, and within that email, they had a link to uh, this you know, media pack file, which was an uh, encrypted zip. So this is the first thing uh, to kind of note there. The zip file was encrypted, I guess, ideally, so that um, virus scanners and the like can't easily scan it as you go to download it. So that's kind of the first thing that stands out here as strange. So if you were to go and download this zip file and you know, enter the password that they gave you to decrypt it, within it was a heap of images and things to evaluate, plus a number of video files. Three of the video files, uh, you know, an MP4 and two files with .mp4.scr as an extension. Now this is strange too, because you know, files normally only have a single extension. Uh, maybe SCR is like subtitle or script or something here. Uh, but actually SCR uh, on Windows is uh, the screensaver extension. So this is uh, actually executable files masquerading as videos. So if you double click on those, uh, it would actually go and execute. Uh, it wouldn't actually open as a video and it would then uh, install this spyware. So, uh, it, well, actually it's not clear what it was exactly. The uh, This media pack file has now been taken down off of these domains. So uh, we can't actually go and see that, but there are some videos on YouTube of people uploading these uh, to VirusTotal and a number of the different uh, AV scanners on VirusTotal were able to detect these as malicious. So yeah, that is, I guess, the first thing too to note that, you know, if you are receiving untrusted things or from unverified parties, you should be trying to scan it with either things like virus total manually, or if you are running uh, AV yourself, particularly if you're running actually Windows, uh, you know, it's important to be doing that. So yeah, uh, you know, interesting to, that we don't know directly what this did. Uh, the Critter developers themselves put out a note about this saying that uh, they believed it was ransomware. But again, I've not seen uh, further confirmation of that. Uh, and also those two domains, critter.app and critter.io are still both up, but uh, Google's uh, safe browsing detects them both now as malicious, as hosting malicious software. So that's great to see that that's been acted on. Uh, and But also they actually now redirect back to critter.org and that uh, mediapack.zip is not there anymore either. So if you wanted to go and try to investigate this yourself, unfortunately you can't. You may need to try and find a copy of that zip file from somewhere else. Uh, I would be interested in having a look at that, but uh, yeah, haven't been able to at this point to actually try to see what, uh, what, you know, what this malware was actually doing. But it is interesting to see that uh, you know, a popular open source application traditionally used by people on Linux, but Critter is available for both Windows and Mac OS, uh, was you know, trying to use the brand of that to target these content creators. They weren't actually trying to use the software itself. They weren't trying to backdoor the software, uh, but they were trying to target people using this as a brand. So yeah, as I guess, as open source is slowly winning, we're becoming more of a vector for uh, this kind of stuff. So as usual, I guess, yeah, we all just need to be careful of what we are 
are uh, opening, what we are potentially trusting or not. And yeah, you know, if someone is, if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. As in this case, if someone just wants to pay you to randomly include content, you've got to uh, wonder what are their motivations. And in this case, their motivation was to um, most likely compromise these people, say YouTube accounts or others, you know, to be able to take those over. All right, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention uh, this week is that we are still hiring. We have positions open for a cryptography and security engineer working on our certifications team, as well as a, an Ubuntu security engineer, like a generalist position working on securing Ubuntu and doing kind of patching and uh, hardening work and that kind of thing. So if either of those are sound of interest to you, I urge you to check out the links to those in the show notes and apply. Okay, so thanks everyone for listening again for another week. Uh, as usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, we are security@ubuntu.com. We also uh, hang out on the Ubuntu security channel on libera.chat, the IRC network, and we are on Twitter too, at Ubuntu underscore sec as well. So thanks for listening again for another week. I'll be back again to do this all again with you next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.